0: Welcome to Litigation Nation. I'm your host, Jack Sanker. Today's stories Gamblers that sued the MLB, the Astros, and the Red Sox and Yankees for fraud over the Baseball League's electronic sign stealing scandal may have lost their case, but may have uncovered even more evidence of widespread cheating in the MLB. Mercedes drops its first fully autonomous self driving car, and with that, will take on liability for any crashes that happen while the self-driving feature is engaged instead of the driver. And Washington, D.C. is suing Grubhub for deceptive business practices for hidden prices, inflated fees, and a number of other illegal pricing practices. All of that and more, here's what you need to know. Up first... The Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in Manhattan affirmed a ruling against a number of gamblers who had sued the MLB for fraud after a scandal involving sign stealing that was uncovered in 2017. The claimants, online gamblers who claimed they lost bets because of the sign stealing of the Astros and the Red Sox, among other teams, alleged that the MLB defrauded them out of their winnings by allowing the cheating to occur. From a Reuters report, quote, This action is nothing more than claims brought by disgruntled fantasy sports participants, unhappy with the effect that cheating in MLB games may have had on their level of success in fantasy sports contests, Circuit Court Judge Joseph Bianco wrote for a three-judge panel, unquote. The request for class certification was also denied. And some background on the underlying sign-sealing scandal, in 2017, the Astros, who won the World Series that year, were accused of stealing pitch signs with technology. Apparently, a camera that was located in center field would film the signs as they were coming in from the catcher. That feed would then be transmitted to the tunnel behind the dugout, which would then be relayed to individuals in the crowd who could bang on trash cans or things like that to signal to the batters what pitch was incoming. In 2020, the MLB found that the Astros stole signs from pitchers and catchers in 2017 and in 2018. Gamblers alleged the MLB therefore defrauded them out of their winnings on certain bets. Now, I'm not sure how they could ever prove causation here because I think you'd have to show that specific bets were lost based on the sign stealing, but I digress. Anyways, the Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals didn't buy that and denied the gambler's appeal. The story gets more interesting in another ruling issued by that court. Apparently, in 2017, MLB Commissioner Robert Manfred wrote a letter to the Yankees. We don't know yet what the contents were. However, the letter was produced under seal via discovery in the underlying sign-stealing lawsuit, and the Yankees' lawyers argued vehemently that unsealing the letter would lead to irreparable harm to the team. Now, if you put two and two together here, it seems like the mysterious letter probably at least hinted at the Yankees being involved in the sign-stealing scheme in some way or another. Looking at a second Reuters piece now published on March 22nd, We know very little about the letter, except that it apparently arose from a 2017 MLB investigation that began when the Yankees accused the Red Sox of using electronic devices to steal signs from the Yankees' catchers. In September of 2017, the MLB issued a lengthy press release about the investigation the public report concluded that the Red Sox had indeed violated a rule barring the use of electronic equipment to steal signs. The MLB also disclosed that it investigated the Yankees for sign stealing at the behest of the Red Sox. press release said that there was insufficient evidence to support the Red Sox' assertion that the Yankees were using their television network to steal signs. The MLB, however, did say that it was imposing a small fine on the Yankees for violating a rule governing the use of the dugout phone, unquote. So the 2017 investigation showed the Red Sox were violating the rules just like the Astros were, but that the Yankees weren't reprimanded like the Sox were. They were fined instead. The 2017 letter from MLB Commissioner Robert Manfred to the Yankees probably addressed that. The plaintiffs in the underlying case, i.e. the gamblers, argued that the Yankees, quote, had in fact been engaged in a more serious sign-stealing scheme, unquote, than the press releases indicated and the court decided to unseal the letter to offer transparency in its decision-making process over the objections of counsel for the Yankees. Unfortunately for the draft king gamblers, this is the end of the line, but keep your heads up folks, I'm sure you can win it all back next season. Up next, a particular brainworm of mine has been the question of who will be responsible in a civil lawsuit for crashes involving self-driving vehicles. In episode six of the show, we covered the first felony charges stemming from a collision involving a Tesla using its autopilot feature. I have not seen any clarity, however, on the question of what would happen in a civil context. This new report from Road & Track on March 20th partially answers that question. Apparently, Mercedes is differentiating itself from Tesla in this regard and is taking express responsibility for civil liability stemming from use of its drive-pilot system, which works substantially the same as the Tesla car system does. Quoting from Road & Track, Mercedes' new drive pilot seems an operation like many traffic jam assistant technologies that are already on sale today. On certain highways below 40 miles per hour, a drive pilot equipped S-Class or EQS will take control of the car's speed, steering, and brakes to move you along in traffic. But there's one key difference. Once you engage drive pilot, you are no longer legally liable for the car's operation until it disengages. You can look away, watch a movie, or zone out. If the car crashes while Drive Pilot is operating, that's Mercedes' problem, not yours. Quote, by the end of last year, we were the first automaker to get international certification for a Level 3 system, Drive Pilot senior developer Gregor Kugelman told Road & Track. We're aiming to get that for California and Nevada by the end of this year, and we're checking a lot of other states as well, unquote. Now, the key distinction here is that under the law in states like California and Nevada, which are the trailblazer states here in the U.S., There are three tiers for self-driving capabilities, and generally, Level 2, which is the only one on the road right now, requires that a driver keep their hands on the wheel, keep a lookout, and basically supervise the self-driving car. And that's currently what Tesla offers with its Autopilot feature. Again, check Episode 6 for coverage of the Tesla Autopilot crash that killed someone because, allegedly, the driver wasn't paying attention. Now, Level 3 allows the driver to truly zone out and let the car drive itself. And crucially, it opens the manufacturer up to direct liability if the vehicle is in an accident. So that is, if a car with level three self-driving capabilities is engaged in an accident, it's not the driver's fault anymore. It's the auto manufacturer's fault. And Mercedes says it's taking on that liability here. Uh, Reading again from the road and track piece. Quote, Mercedes' willingness to accept liability for its semi-autonomous vehicles will surely help its chance at satisfying various regulators. While the distinction may sound like legal hair-splitting, removing driver responsibility required massive technological improvement over existing Level 2 systems. And as a reminder, the most advanced semi-autonomous systems in the U.S., including Tesla Autopilot and GM Super Cruise, still fall under Level 2, where the driver is expected to actively supervise the system and be ready to take over instantly whenever the system disengages. The piece continues, Mercedes' drive pilot has more redundancies with additional power supplies to crucial systems. It uses higher-quality image processing and LiDAR scanners and collates positioning data from GPS, Galileo, and GLONASS satellites for guidance. Unlike all currently available driver assist systems, Driver Pilot is designed to give drivers a 10 second warning before switching off. Engineers had to make sure that in every situation, the system would safely and faultlessly hand over control. These self imposed requirements mean Mercedes had to solve the conditions that current Level 2 software simply can't handle. For instance, today's semi autonomous systems simply don't know how to recognize approaching emergency vehicles. It's the driver's responsibility to notice flashing lights and sirens and to take over control of the vehicle to make way. Since Drive Pilot and its manufacturer are legally responsible for the vehicle's operation, the software has to follow the law. The complexities of clearing a path for an approaching ambulance, fire truck, or police vehicle are beyond the system's abilities. Instead, the software uses microphones and cameras to detect emergency lights and sirens far enough in advance to issue a full 10-second warning before the manual takeover, unquote. So currently, the Mercedes Drive Pilot program can only be used in certain circumstances under 40 miles an hour, no construction zones, only divided highways with no stoplights, and currently will only operate in daylight. Journalists who had the opportunity to ride in the Mercedes say in their experiences it runs a lot smoother than other self-driving cars, which is pretty cool. And ultimately, this is a huge step forward in terms of AI and self-driving vehicles. Sure, it's limited in its current application, but Mercedes is the first car manufacturer that's willing to put its money where its mouth is and say that its vehicle is truly self-driving in these circumstances. To be clear, the distinction is pretty wide between Tesla and Mercedes product. The Tesla product requires you to keep your hands on the steering wheel, keep a lookout, and to ultimately supervise the activity of your vehicle. You can't just zone out. With the Mercedes product, you're able to essentially fall asleep and wake up at your destination. That is a huge difference between the two and one that I think will probably garner higher prices. It's technology that many people were getting skeptical about, especially because Tesla, the leader in this technology, has yet to remove itself from beta testing. However, this could be an example of a company that's first to market not being the company that wins that market. And from the legal perspective, it's a big gamble, right? If a Mercedes, with its drive pilot system properly engaged under the right circumstances, runs someone over, for example, that's almost automatic liability against Mercedes, right? I'm sure plaintiff's lawyers will be happy to think about these scenarios, but you have to think that Mercedes wouldn't stick its neck out like this unless the technology was pretty reliable. For our last story, Washington, D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine is suing Grubhub for deceptive business practices, alleging its food delivery app inflates prices. This is from a report in The Verge. Apparently, the lawsuit alleges that Grubhub advertises and promises free online orders and unlimited free delivery for Grubhub plus its premium subscription service, and that those claims are misleading. Quoting from The Verge, the complaint says Grubhub orders often cost more than ordering the same item at a restaurant and argues that the company fails to reasonably disclose this to customers. Because Grubhub already charges customers several different types of fees for its services, customers expect that the menu prices listed on Grubhub are the same prices offered at the restaurant or on the restaurant's website, it says, unquote. So one of the allegations here is that Grubhub is bundling its fees in with the price of the food on top of a line item service fee. For example, at the restaurant, a cheeseburger might actually cost say $8 plus tax, but on Grubhub, it could cost $10 plus tax plus service fees. The complaint also alleges that it lists restaurants on the app without taking their permission, thereby routing orders through its services and taking a commission on those orders. This puts restaurants in a bind because Grubhub would include menu items that are not currently being offered, for example, or outdated menus or otherwise. Quote, the complaint says that it listed over a 1,000 restaurants in D.C. that had no connection with the company. Asserting that the unapproved listings often contain menu errors and result in orders that would take longer to fill, would be filled incorrectly, and will be delivered cold or would eventually be canceled altogether. So, the harm to restaurant owners here is real. People will get cold or improperly filled orders and blame the restaurant, potentially ruining the opportunity for down the road orders. And if the order is canceled after it is ordered, the restaurant may have already made the food so they'll have to eat the cost for materials and labor for that order. There are a number of other issues listed in the complaint. For example, Grubhub launched unsanctioned microsites that appeared to be official restaurant websites without the permission of those restaurants. Grubhub launched custom phone numbers that it let charge fees when customers call restaurants, even when the calls didn't result in orders. The company also offered a, quote, supper for support promotion that required restaurants to foot the bill for a special discount. It offered restaurants a measly $250 in compensation after widespread backlash. Now, of course, Grubhub has denied all material allegations, and this is another in a trend of lawsuits of these types of delivery apps. Chicago, for example, sued Grubhub and DoorDash on similar grounds last year. I believe that Minnesota did as well. Like many gig economy service apps such as Uber, Grubhub operates in legal gray areas where regulators have not specifically addressed how these companies can operate. The business model seems to be try out whatever they want to try until they get sued or fined and then they pull back. The lawsuits tend to end with a whimper rather than a bang, a fine perhaps, something like that, but we will keep you posted if it results in any significant shakeup of the popular app's business model. All right. Thanks, everyone. That's the show. We'll leave a link in the show description to our YouTube channel, which if you want to use the comment section there to let us know what you think, if there's anything you think we missed or got wrong or maybe should be covering, if you drop a comment there, we'll read it and we'll do our best to address it. Otherwise, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you usually get your podcasts. Until then, we'll talk to you next week.